there and a very warm welcome as every Friday to Back Us Now. My name is Aurelia Rauch and my guest today is Martina Oetteker. Hi Martina. Hi Aurelia. Always great to see you. Ah, thank you, likewise. <laughs> and we're going to talk about a particularly interesting topic today. I'm super excited. What are we chatting about? Today I would like to share my, my latest bits of research with you. Um, as you know, we focus very much on thematic investing opportunities and um, and thematic investments, they look to the long-term trends mm -hmm. that are um, transforming the global economy. And thematic investing seeks to align asset selection with certain, you know, economic, political, but also social themes. Um, and I think the two subjects that I brought with me today, it's artificial intelligence and robotics, Uh, these two themes, they fit very well into this framework. I love it. Okay, so we already had um, a format about AI a little bit, so let's chat about that in more depth. Mm -hmm. um, of course, at the moment, at the forefront of every conversation I seem to be having, I don't know, you might feel the same way, it is definitely a topic of the moment. Um, can, can you kind of just paint us the picture a little bit? Let's chat about AI. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, so artificial intelligence, AI systems, they already greatly impact our lives. And uh, they are also, I would say, about to revolutionize everything. Uh, and the adoption of AI and its impact on businesses as well as societies stands at a very crucial point, I would say. Uh, we also see that the scale, depth and speed of change posed by AI advancements combined with the level also of macroeconomic but also sector-specific and uh, stock-specific uh, AI debates remain incredibly high, as you just said. Uh, we, we read a lot about that lately. Um, and I think also the whole topic really accelerated with the rollout of ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is a language-based model uh, or a model-based chatbot uh, created by the company OpenAI and it's the latest of the, of the series of AIs. Maybe quickly, Martina, just for terms. Um, I think, you know, people have by this point probably heard of ChatGPT. Can you quickly explain what the GPT stands for? Uh, sure, yes. Um, so it stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. And let's put it in more basic words. Um, it's basically trained on a massive amount of text data to generate human-like responses to a given input. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I found really interesting, I read uh, from Reuters that they estimated that ChatGPT reached 1 billion monthly active users within just two months yeah. after its launch. Mm. I don't know if you read that too, Uh, and just for a little comparison, it took nine months until TikTok reached one billion users and two and a half years for Instagram to reach that user base of one billion. Yeah. So it's quite incredible. And what I also would like to mention, just to have a really comprehensive picture now, uh, is that the capabilities of ChatGPT, they offer both, I would say. They offer a great deal of opportunities, but also some threats. And um, and there are limitations in the usage of these so-called uh, open AI models. And ChatGPT might, for example, write plausible sounding, 
but actually incorrect answers. And this is this term is called hallucination. Um, and and fixing them is not as easy as it may sound. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of a general issue with this with this program when it's spread far and wide. What what you're describing, right? Because it is so very human like, and these large language models, these processing machines, they've been around. But ChatGPT, I think the point that it really revolutionizes this human sounding, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it really feels like you're talking to somebody, mm -hmm. and it's not truth seeking that's a very important yes. point to it it just says it, it it generates from a different point of view not from a point of view of correctness and i think that that is that is uh, yeah we <laughs> we can't ask it everything <laughs> did you did you generate anything here with ai no i <laughs> use my own brain <laughs> <laughs> reliable <laughs> Very good. Um, okay, but, but let's talk about it. if this is the golden age of AI, or if we want to kind of—I mean, if, we, if we're on the onset of the golden age of AI, maybe let's say it that way. If we're looking back, just a little history. When did it start? We touched on this when we did our podcast with Günther Jäger as well, but maybe just to refresh everybody's memory on that. Well, uh, just to then really briefly to say or comment on that. Um, um, yeah, since the early days of the AI history, you know, the computer scientists strived to make machines as intelligent as humans. And I think that it's, its inception was probably around the 1950s. It's, I, I read that there is still a little bit of a debate when exactly the time was. But I think 1950s is, is a good starting yeah. point. And since then, AI has come a long way and uh, we, we see that the language and image recognition capabilities of these AI systems, they developed really rapidly. And just 10 years ago, no existing machine on Earth was able to reliably provide language or image recognition mm. um, at, at a human level. Mm what you also mentioned before, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And over the past few years, AIs really produce language um, and, and have impacted our world in many ways. So we see, for example, uh, just a few examples, translation as a service products um, that can translate massive amounts of online texts. We see, or we can also maybe see school children that use language models to do their homework. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see reports and essays that get auto-generated and the list continues. And um, so what I want to say is that AI is no longer a technology of the future. And it's not, uh, not just part of Hollywood science fiction. It's really real and it's here. I I have to smile about the the comment that school children might use this. I I feel like you so uh, reliably can tell when somebody has used <laughs> tools like ChatGPT. Although you can tweak it so well, but I um yeah I, I we're still at a level where it really does sound like you know somebody like a machine wrote it anyway just a comment just a little comment um but let's talk a little bit more i mean where is all of this going maybe a little bit of a um look at or something like that mm -hmm. um so we see that investments in especially generative ai surged during the early 2020s mm -hmm. generative ai models they use neural networks to identify patterns within 
existing data and they generate new content such as texts but also images sounds animation 3d model or uh, models or, or other have you played around with imaging processing yet no, not yet. It's interesting. I did it for a presentation um, that somebody here at Bergus was holding. And ah. It's it's so, they're different ones. And I find it so interesting how like the, the input feedback, that dynamic is for me infinitely harder with the image generation than with the text generation, right? You give to, like what you prompt so very much changes the outcome and it, it's it's fascinating hmm. can only suggest trying it while yeah, you're I went through that yeah sure. while you're on the open ai platform uh, and using chat gpt there's also dali there's a version of dali there that's free and then we just we just play around with it it's quite it's quite fascinating anyway um i think what i would like to know is what is needed to make a successful generative artificial intelligence processing whatever technology yeah i i googled a bit on that one and i saw uh, that on the page on the website from nvidia uh, nvidia says that three critical requirements are needed for a successful generative ai model and these are high quality samples Mm -hmm. So we touched on that already uh, and it's, I mean, it sounds clear, but it's not so clear actually um, because you see these, especially for applications that interact directly with users, it's really crucial that uh, they have high quality generate generation outputs. And for example, you know, in, in speech generation, Poor speech quality is difficult to understand, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And the same is also for image generation, because the desired output should, of course, be visually indistinguishable from the natural one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So th that's a, a bit of an example of that. Um, but also um, a coverage diversity. So a good generative model captures the minority models in its data distribution without sacrificing a so-called generation quality uh, which helps to reduce undesired biases uh, in the learned models mm -hmm. and last but not least also fast sampling um, because many interactive applications require fast generation uh, such as real-time image editing to allow the use in content creation workflows so mm -hmm. But it's still a very evolving space and these generative models are still considered to be early stage um, and face also several challenges, such as the scale of compute infrastructure, the lack of, uh, as we mentioned already, high quality data. It's really crucial, that one. Um, and moreover, there is also some concern about the potential misuse of generative AI. Sure, yeah. Of course, it includes cybercrime, creating fake news, and so on. Yeah, I think you know those deep fakes and stuff like that. It yeah. is a bit concerning, right? Isn't yeah. it? Like the and especially this misconception that what you get is truth, right? Like the thing that we touched on at the very beginning when yeah, we chatted, exactly. right? Like this is, yeah. of course, yeah. Uh, the ethics of that entire region are that they're a podcast on themselves of course um but maybe we stay with the industry for a second i would like to get you a take martina on how ai is already impacting the industry will in the long run do that who's really benefiting most from these advancements mm -hmm. that's uh, of course the the crucial question right i guess 
Um, and we see that based on these recent advancements and the significant increases also in investment on both private and public markets, actually, we, we should expect AI technology to become even more powerful in the in the next years. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, next years and decades. Um, and it may generate tailwinds for companies that are developing the hardware, but also the software infrastructure that is needed to drive further automation and uh, and the AI adoption in the wider economy. So, you know, there are, AI is used in a wide variety of sectors and, and there are many use cases. So I, mm. I could touch a bit on that if you yeah, like. Yeah, I was just going to say, share some examples, please. So the most obvious one, of course, is information technology, right? Yeah. We see software, AI and large language models, they help to develop and write code. Um, they can also debug code. Uh, we see semiconductors, for example, as subsector of this. Um, so, you know, the emerge of these AI um, and, and the large language models they that this earth or this emerge represents one of the strongest actually drivers for semiconductors yeah uh, and also for data centers because it's growing at an exponential rate and it requires of course data uh, centers to store this uh, mm -hmm. data mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and as i also touched on cybersecurity is also a, a part of that but you know we see it also in other sectors for example healthcare um, the telemedicine where patients could experience a more improved um, uh, atmosphere, for example. Mm -hmm. It also helps doctors to make more data-driven decisions. Uh, it's also used in pharmaceuticals uh, because AI could be used to predict the success rate by screening drug compounds. Um, but also financials. Mm -hmm. uh, AI could help banks, insurance companies in their risk management. FinTech is also a beneficiary or could be a possible beneficiary because AI could help to detect fraud. Um, yeah, also in the aerospace, in industrials. We can see that, for example, AI could be used to improve fuel efficiency. And all of all of that, and I think the list goes on. It's not a comprehensive list for sure, and these these are just a few examples. Um, but it gives you a bit of an idea where where it could be going, right? Yeah, I think probably as a good umbrella statement, it's anywhere where there's an enormous amount of data that needs processing. It's probably a good point for AI to kick in. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, th thank you for for this this overview, Martina. Let's talk about maybe a little bit about now, right? Or like where where it's heading, or something like that. Since I feel like it's almost every day that there's something popping up about a new. I just had a f call from somebody yesterday who was like, "Have you heard about this new program?" You know, it's very mm. it's 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 very of the moment. Um, where's the trend going at the moment? What's happening this year? Well, this year, of course, a uh, really special year, right? And uh, markets were primarily driven by the strong relative performance of these so-called Magnificent Seven. Sure, of course. Yeah. Uh, just for the listeners who don't know, it's Google, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, Meta and NVIDIA in particular. And also maybe just to mention that because uh, I find this really interesting. So investors, for example, who invested in the Nasdaq 100 index 
they, uh, you know, where the before mentioned companies have a sizable weight, they would have realized actually double the year to date performance uh, than those investors who would have been invested in the NASDAQ 100 equal weight index. Okay. So you really see this magnificent outperformance of the Magnificent Seven. The weight is really strong. Yeah, yeah. Remarkable. Truly, yeah. Uh, but also we see semiconductors. They were a really strong subsector year to date, large part in large part driven by the need for compute intensive infrastructure, as I said earlier, to train these large language models. Um, and, you know, they built the, the, the foundation, actually, of this generative AI applications, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. But I should also mention in the space of semiconductors, of course, uh, only these high performance compute um, and, and, and the AI, all around the AI theme performed strong. But we still see uh, softness in, for example, smartphones because of the weak demand from China, we still see softness in PCs and AI and non-AI servers because um, corporates make uh, a more, let's say, cautious uh, IT spending. Uh, and this is also causing the semiconductor supply chains uh, feeding into these markets to still be negatively pressured by inventory corrections, just to be clear. So also within that space, yeah. you need to uh, differentiate. Uh, but, you know, in terms of longer term outlook, I, I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, right? No, no one of us does. And if you have, I would like to... <laughs> to see that <laughs> I, keep, I keep challenging Tillel Budelmann whenever he's here to do exactly that like, <laughs> predict the future please no no I, of course nobody does uh, but I mean what I can say we do see higher fiscal spending within the sector uh, and uh, you know governments are also looking to build more resilient supply chains for components critical to you know the strategic technology needs so mm -hmm. we see for example what i'm what i like to uh, head where i like to head to is the chips act uh, in the us that's doing exactly that um i think there was also a, an answer from europe uh, on that side so we see a lot of also regulation coming coming in mm -hmm. governments mm -hmm. trying to um yeah make more fiscal spending i I love this topic so much and I could talk about this for such a long time with you. Um, but on the onset, you talked about robotics as well, that yes. your research also included robotics. Um, do you want to maybe pivot to that topic a little bit with me? Yes, very good. Awesome. I like the theme robotics too, and I really looked into that uh, as well. I think the two themes are quite intertwined, if I may say so. Um, because with the help of AI technology, robots are also becoming increasingly autonomous. Mm -hmm. And I googled it a bit uh, and, and saw that the word robot is derived from, from a Slavic word and uh, it's robota. Please excuse my bad pronunciation if you, if to any listeners who know it better. I actually um, also used AI t for the pronunciation, but I forgot it in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> and it means work or, or job. And 
So the, the field of robotics it develops machines that can automate tasks, do various other jobs that humans might not be able to do. Moreover, they, of course, work 24-7, right? Um, yeah. And, and nowadays, commercial but also industrial robots are widespread, performing a variety of tasks, actually. Uh, tasks that are maybe too dirty, too dangerous, too... Um, monotonous for for human beings and uh, yeah they it but the fully autonomous robots did not appear prior to the second half of the 20th century so mm -hmm. same ish as ai i would say since i coined 1950 as the <laughs> I, I think that's the generally accepted <laughs> day don't worry about that one i don't think that that's really off um yeah okay sorry and uh, and yeah so also now more recently i would say that for a long time robot programming was highly time consuming and maybe also economically not really viable mm -hmm. um and also expensive And AI really, or a branch of AI known as machine learning, uh, uses algorithms to give robots the ability to learn from data to get better uh, over time. And also another, another branch, deep learning uh, technologies, are, are the three of them, AI, machine learning and deep learning, are technologies that have enabled the development of, of these robots to perform a wide range of tasks uh, and nowadays you know it can reach from everything from simple pick and place uh, but also to navigation in unstructured environments mm -hmm. uh, on the moon or you know in, in the space um, and I would say it remains to be seen how these three uh, themes shape the future of robotics as well and automation. Martina, thank you so much. That was so cool and insightful and really fun to talk about. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, glad I had a good topic for you. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm always glad when you have a good topic. For Perfect. Me, Come back soon. Thank <laughs> you for today. Thank you very much. And we thank you as always for listening. We hope that you have now a pleasant weekend ahead and a successful week. We're back with more from Bergos now on Friday. Till then, bye bye.